and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, the basic principles of living the Christian life while realizing that the purpose of the Christless philosophies of this world is to take us away from Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Robert Elliott. The title for this morning's message is Walking, Rooting, and Kidnapping. Walking, Rooting, and Kidnapping. Let's see verses 6 to 8 of Colossians 2, which are our text for this morning. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Walking, rooting, and kidnapping. I see walking in verse 6. I see rooting in verse 7. And I find kidnapping in verse 8. Before we unpack these with some detail, let me just say this. Before we get to the details of the text, if we are born-again Christians who are walking carelessly, it's probably because we are born-again Christians who have not yet firmly rooted ourselves in Jesus. And if we carelessly walk as true Christians, It's basically because we have not been bothered to firmly root ourselves in Christ as found in his word. When we don't bother to firmly root ourselves in Jesus Christ, then we run the very real risk of being kidnapped by humanistic philosophies being taken from our first love for Jesus. Back in May of 2007, there was a rather remarkable case of a missing child. Her name was Madeline McCann. Her story gripped the world back in 07, maybe you remember. Her yuppie parents said that they had left their four-year-old daughter, Madeline, and her two-year-old twin siblings sleeping in their upscale ground floor hotel room in Algrave, Portugal. This mammoth risk was taken by these young parents of British nationality because they wanted to have a romantic dinner in a nearby fancy restaurant. The story goes that when they went to check on Madeline and the twins, Madeline was not in her bed and the window to their room was open. I mean, think about this. A rich four-year-old girl, a girl of privilege, being kidnapped while on vacation in Portugal. How could it have happened? Easy. Number one, her parents walked where they should not have walked, to a restaurant away from their children. Second, her parents failed to do 
the thing that roots all responsible parents, which is taking responsibility for their children, they failed to even get the babysitter. And third, some evil kidnapper or kidnappers took advantage of the situation and stole little four-year-old Madeline. This true story of kidnapping is a sad but true metaphor or picture of Colossians 2, 6 through 8. You see, church, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we collectively are rich. And believer, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you individually are rich. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. We're, we're filthy rich. But it's sad that much of the church of Jesus Christ in the West, in the one-third world, is asleep in our luxury. When I was candidating at the local church in Nassau, Bahamas, in the question and answer period, one of the questions they asked me was very interesting. They said, you've pastored in Canada, you've pastored in the United States, characterize what the church in America and Canada is like. I said, the Canadian church is so open-minded that they are closed. And the American church is so affluent, they are bored. We are asleep in our luxury. You remember the video from last week by Casting Crowns? United States of America looks like another silent night. And we've sung to sleep by philosophies that save the trees and kill the children. And while we're lying in the dark, there's a shout heard across the eastern sky, for the bridegroom has returned and has carried his bride away in the night. America, what will we miss while we are sleeping? Church, will we be sleeping in our luxury? Like Madeline McCann's parents, were negligent in the luxury of a gourmet meal having not hired a babysitter. The church of Jesus Christ in some quarters fails in her primary responsibility of making disciples just like little Madeline's parents didn't get themselves a babysitter. Many local churches fail to make disciples. And the result often is kidnapped saints who have kidnapped moral compasses and kidnapped theology and kidnapped doctrines and kidnapped evangelism and kidnapped disciple-making and a kidnapped sense of urgency. Little Madeline was kidnapped through an open bedroom window. But some Christians like us who are formed together in local churches are often kidnapped through humanistic philosophies. Again, verses six to eight. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. The first thing I want us to see is walking. We see it in verse six. God has something to say about your walking. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In the New Testament, consistently walking is a picture of living. 
Other parts of the New Testament teach that we are to walk or to live in the light. We are to walk and we are to live circumspectfully, that is carefully. We are to walk or to live worthy of Christ. We are to walk or to live righteously. We are to walk or to live for God's glory. Verse six, therefore as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Will you notice that proper walking or living lines up with the lordship of Christ? Six, therefore as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, proper walking, proper living lines up with the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. And when Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and mine, we live like he is. We do not give ourselves permission to say no to him on any matter. He tells us is yes. When we live under the lordship of Jesus, we don't give ourselves permission to say no to him. And so we are to walk in him by faith. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And now today's personal God story. This morning we have the pleasure of hearing part three of Chinese National Stephen's God story. If you've been with us previous, you know that it is quite a story. But let's listen to the third part now. So you were um, hearing the concept of sin from an American and you were thinking in terms of what Americans do to sin that you knew about. Mm -hmm. And you as a Chinese uh, young person didn't feel you'd committed those particular sins. Yeah, right. But there must have been some point that yeah. the Holy Spirit convinced you otherwise, mm -hmm. convinced you that you are in fact a sinner. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I uh, clearly remember one day we were doing some worshiping of our own, and we read a verse which was, love your neighbors as yourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I read that, I was like, wow, that's the exact thing we need back in China, because there's no love among people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Everyone just cares about themselves. Yeah. And so when that scripture uh, became before your awareness, did the Spirit of God not only say that that's the problem in China, but that's the problem in Stephen? Actually, yes. Um, growing up in, in, that, in, in that society, not only teachers, but uh, parents teach you that uh, Yourself is the priority. You, look out for number one. Yeah. You have to look, watch out for your own interests. That's, yes. that's the top priority. Yes. So it's really something that um, the scripture, the Bible, is what the Holy Spirit uses to convict us or convince us of sin. And that's, that's really wonderful that you remember the actual verse of the Bible that made you come to that conclusion that you're a sinner. Yeah. So your friend on the construction site, he invited you to trust Jesus alone to be your Savior? Yes. 
Yes. And uh, how did you respond? Well, I uh, hesitated at first. I uh, agonized. Agonized. Yeah. But I clearly remember it was when I read the book Ecclesiastes. Yes, Ecclesiastes, yeah. Old Testament. Yes. Yeah. It was when I read that book. I decided to devote myself, devote my life to Christ. Because when I read that book, I almost teared up. Mm -hmm. Because what Solomon felt mm -hmm. was exactly how I felt back in China. Again, the power of the, of the Bible is not any book. Yeah. It's not an ordinary book. It's God's book. Yeah. And uh, when you have read it and are reading it, it's changing you. When I read it, it changes me. And anyone who reads the Bible will be changed in some manner because it's God's book. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Well, okay. So at some point, you cross the line, even though you agonized about it, you, you cross the line from unbelief in Christ to belief in Christ. Yeah. And we're given new life forgiveness of your sins. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then I understand you asked for something from your friend, your American friend, that, that had to do with the sea. It was early November last year. Yes. I decided to get baptized. Then my American friend had already gone back to the States. Oh. Yeah, but uh, when he heard about that, he flew back really? from, from Florida to baptize me. Wow. Yeah. That's a friend. Yeah. That's a friend. So he flew back from Florida. Yeah. And he baptized you. And uh, what is your understanding of what that meant? Like, what what is baptism? What, if a person is listening this morning and they don't know what water baptism mm -hmm. is, you know, why were like why were you water baptized? Well, I think it uh, symbolizes that uh, we die. With Christ, yes, on the cross, and then when we get raised up, we are justified. We are able to live a Jesus-like life. Very good. Um, what I like to say is, um, water baptism is like. Um, a family announcing on Facebook that a baby has been born to them. Uh, the Facebook announcement doesn't cause the baby to be born, but the Facebook announcement is announcing that the baby has already been born. Yeah, to show the outside. To show the outside. And so I'm just thinking of Galatians uh, 2 verse 20 that talks about what you were talking about and in Galatians uh, 2 verse uh, 20 it says I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me and the life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me Matthew 22 
34 to 40 comes to mind as I consider this part of Brother Stephen's God story. Matthew 22, 34 to 40 reads, But when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. I've seen this on a billboard. I'm not sure whether or not you have seen this, but it says, Enjoy the wedding. Invite me to the marriage. Sign God. I really appreciate that because... Too many times I believe that emphasis on the wedding ceremony and that day rather than the marriage itself. I have a question. What are your expectations of your marriage if you are planning to get married? Why did you get married if you are married? What is the most important to you and your mate? One of the things that we hear about quite often when we counsel premarital and married couple is one of the most important thing they are interested in is security. In the studio with me is my wife Helen and I would like to pose this question to her. What is security to you when you think of marriage? Um, I think um, it's, is this for keeps? Is it permanent? Or as soon as um, I'm angry or you don't show up on time, then I bail out. No, you want to know this is permanent. You also want to know um, financially you're going to be looked after and materially as well and you want to know that this person is not just there to gain from you but together we work at this and make it a, a sure foundation and I think this adds to the security of marriage a permanent relationship a permanent relationship in other words we should not go into marriage with the idea that, well, if it doesn't work, I'll get a divorce. 
No, I, I think if you're going into marriage with the idea of divorce, I think you need to back off and probably reconsider whether I'm serious about this, whether this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And I'm not saying that if it's abuse or some horrible situation come up, you get stuck in that. But what I'm thinking is um, if you're just going into it to help a sugar daddy or someone look after you, you should forget it. In other words, uh, the question could be asked, are you really ready for marriage? If you go into marriage thinking, well, if it doesn't work, I'll get a divorce. But it's amazing how many couples go into marriage with that idea. If it doesn't work, I'll get a divorce. Yeah, well, I think some of it, too, um, it's modeled by their parents. And okay. so um, that's the model or the pattern they know. And like um, one of our theorists has said, that the pattern you know is the pattern you know. And so if they see divorce as an easy escape route, they would model that and see, well, my dad left or my mom left or whatever. Because some, in many cases, this divorce issue goes on and on with several persons. It's not just your mother, maybe your uncle. It's the whole history, mm -hmm. especially in the family of origin. So it's easy when people come to marriage and they have this model. It, it, it really isn't seen as a permanent relationship. It is seen as my way of escape. Yeah. If it yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that's not good. That's really not good because um, it's almost like you know you you drive a car for so many years and uh, then you want to upgrade. Yeah. 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 But yeah. we need to re be reminded that marriage is permanent yeah, from God's yeah. perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's permanent. It's until death do us part. Yeah. And, 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 and again, I will agree with you, if you are being abused, I will not say to anyone, stay in that relationship. I'll say to you, try to work through the issues, but you shouldn't stay in that relationship and be abused. So definitely we can say, that when we go into marriage, we do not expect to be abused or taken advantage of. We want security. We want to know that we are financially sound and we are able to meet the needs of our spouse. And in a case like that, you can move forward with the desire, hey, we are going to do everything in our power to make this marriage work, make this relationship work. And I think that is what is missing. It's too much about what I want, what I need, uh, rather than what's best for us. The usness again comes true. I think there is a lack of usness in relationship and security, I would agree, is very important. You want to add to that? I think um, the marriage officer or the pastor, rabbi, whoever is uh, helping the couple in premarital should really, really look into uh, finding out what are your expectations. 
What is it? Not so much like in the opening phrase, you said, enjoy the wedding, invite me to the marriage, not just this big day, or this escape to Fantasy Island and we get married. No, no, no. I think we need to know what am I looking forward to? What are my expectations? And of course, again, you want to make sure that both of you are on the same page as much as possible, because I might have one expectation of marriage and you have another. And the well, that two, comes with communication. Well, the yeah. two may not meet if, if your expectations are so much different from mine. That's why we need to communicate, as you say, and we need to determine what you are looking forward to and what I am looking forward to. What is it that I'm looking for in the marriage? And that, that was the question that we began with this morning. What are your expectations? And we do go into marriage with, in many cases, different expectations. We will pick up from here next time in the will of the Lord. Have a good day and God bless. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com Once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. The next question has to do with concubines. It says, was this something that God approved of? Any commentaries that I have read by Walvert and Zook and Clark acknowledge that this was the practice of the day, but they don't seem to tackle the question as to whether it was okay in the light of God's declarations on marriage, fornication, etc., even if all the Bible wasn't available at that time of the practice. I've heard some comment that it would, was a way of populating the world faster. But God wouldn't need to resort to that if concubines were wrong in his sight. Second Samuel talks of David's concubines, and others had them too. Why was this? My answer, the word concubine means, quote, a type of female slave, end quote. According to W. White Jr.'s article in the Zondervan Pictorial Encyclopedia of the Bible, a concubine entered into an ancient form of marriage whereby she stayed in her father's house and the groom was permitted to spend the night with her as he chose. This arrangement continued until the groom would raise her station or position in life to full wife and then keep her in another house. The concubine held a place of honor and her children, especially her sons, could become co-heirs with the children of the wife. Concubines seemed prevalent in Israel from the time of the patriarchs through the time of the conquest and up until the early kingdom. After that time, they appeared to have been only royal prerogative, as was the case with kings Saul, David, Solomon, and others. Did God approve of concubines? The answer is no. 
God did not approve either of polygamy or concubines, either for common people or for kings. Deuteronomy 17, verse 17 teaches that. God's design for marriage was and still is Genesis 2, verse 24. One man, one woman, leaving, cleaving, being one. But God tolerated this sinful practice of his people, which became all too prevalent for a time in their checkered history. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.